Welcome to Boxed In, the quarantine argument show of Yahoo Sports. I am Dan Wetzel, normally the national columnist here, but today I'm the judge, I'm the jury, I'm the executioner wasp of a debate about which Major League Baseball park is more iconic, Fenway Park or Wrigley Field. Andy Barron's is going to argue for Wrigley. Mike Oz will defend Fenway. This is a doozy. Brief admission. Got to bring your biases to the table. I did grow up in Boston, and I did briefly work at uh, Fenway Park for the Harry M. Stevens Company. Uh, I have been to Wrigley. I just never went inside. Every Cub game I ever attended, I stayed in the bars outside the thing. So (laughs) I've been in Fenway more as an employee, and Wrigley could never lure me in because I'm too big of a drunk. So (laughs) deal with it, gentlemen. Quick opening statements. Which park is more iconic? That is the question. We'll start with you, Andy. Uh, It's funny that you never made it into Wrigley because it's like a it's like a bug zapper for drunks. Uh, It draws them in. But you're right. The the local scene is is also pretty attractive. Uh, One of the best things about Wrigley is that if you're there for a baseball game, it means that you're in Chicago in spring, summer, fall, which is about the best place. I don't know. I don't know why you'd rather be anywhere else in the world. Honestly, I feel like I feel like the marquee. Uh, at Wrigley Field at Clark and Addison is probably the most photographed ballpark feature maybe ever, possibly ever. Uh, you've got you've got iconic, uh, distinctive features within the ballpark. You've got a hand-operated scoreboard uh, that I believe has been hand-operated by like multiple generations of the same family. Nobody's ever hit it with a batted ball. I think Clemente came close. You've got ivy-covered walls. You've got great fan traditions. You can watch the game from rooftops across the street. One ball, in fact, has been hit onto a rooftop across the street. It was done by Glenn, by Glen Allen Hill. It's just a great environment. You've got you've got fan traditions like throwing back home runs. You've got uh, right field chanting left field sucks and left field chanting right field sucks. It is a great, great ballpark experience. All right. Well, I'm a cheap drunk. That's the problem. And it costs more. <laughs> also, I do like the point about the same family uh, uh, handling the scoreboard. Nothing like nepotism in Chicago employment. Hell yeah. Uh, that's a that's a new concept for that city. Uh, uh, Mr. Oz, what do you got for Boston? I, I will say this first of all. Andy obviously is from Chicago. You're from Boston. I'm from California. So I bring no local bias into this. I say this as someone who has seen the Red Sox win the World Series at Fenway Park. I've seen the Cubs play the World Series in 2016 and almost let it slip away before they went back to Cleveland. In my mind, there is no doubt that Fenway is a better place to watch a baseball game. There is a difference in my mind between a classic car and an old clunker that you love because it's been sitting in your driveway for 40 years. And to me, that's the difference between Fenway and Wrigley. Like you can say the Ivy is, is sort of quirky and fun, but, but in what world is, is it competitive sports from a professional level for a baseball to get lost in the Ivy? Like, like it looks like you just didn't have somebody take care of your, your, your lawn, man. Um, <laughs> it's a better stadium. It's a better experience to go there. As much as like the area around Wrigley Field is great, uh, Yaki Way outside of Boston is fantastic. And I, and I account that as being sort of part of the – that's actually part of the stadium, right? The the, the Chicago experience I, I, I share with you, Judge Wetz, like I enjoy some of the bars and restaurants around there. But if we're talking about actually inside the stadium, inside that area, that's Fenway all the way. Well, I got news for you. The Ricketts family actually owns now just about everything outside of Wrigley Field. So it's all the money's going to the same place. Uh, I think <laughs> bad uh, yard work 
uh, I think the, the Wrigley has inspired poor yard work as an excuse. You can sit there and say, trying to regrow Wrigley Field here. Not I'm not just deciding not to weed. All right. What is the most iconic moment in each stadium? Okay. We will start with you. We'll, we'll snake draft this. Uh, Mr. Oz, Counselor Oz. I'm actually going to start by saying that Andy's most memorable moment is Steve Bartman grabbing a ball uh-huh. from, from Moises Alou. So anything I say is better than that. Carlton Fisk, <laughs> Game 6, 1975 World Series. We've seen it. It lives in our brains. You know, Carlton Fisk waving the, the, the ball into fair territory. It's magic, man. And Fenway's full of magic. And if you don't like that, if you're too, if you're too young for that, there's the bullpen cop in the 2013 World Series where, um, you know, the Tigers guy falls over the outfield wall because they had that little small wall out in Fenway and holds up his hands, you know, home run. And everyone went wild. And that guy was a celebrity for the following year. Um, you know, there's the red seat out in Fenway. It's, it's full of magic. So now, Andy, yes, please tell me about Steve Bartman. Well, I'll actually say that, like, if you're if you're giving even the the five minute history of baseball, you can't do it without Babe Ruth's called shot. Right. Which is the 1932 World Series. Did he call it? Did he not call it? It was in Wrigley Field. Totally magical moment. I, I feel like that's probably the most iconic moment. Certainly the most iconic moment in, in recent history. You nailed it. Is the is the Bartman uh, fiasco debacle. I don't know what I should call it. Uh, terrible moment. It's it's the eighth inning. Luis Castillo at the plate, maybe um, just a, we all know what happened. Um, just terrible. And it spawned a million terrible barroom arguments as well. Like among Cub fans, good moments that happened in the park. You can go back to Gabby Hartnett with the homer in the Gloman in 1938 that pretty much turned around the pennant race. Uh, the Ryan Sandberg game in, in which he tied it off Bruce Suter in the ninth and then tied it again in extra innings off Bruce Suter. Uh, Cubs go on to win and they're all of a sudden taken seriously in 84. So a bunch of iconic moments in the park. I feel like the Ruth called shot, though, uh, takes the cake. Uh, this place is both known for music. Sweet Caroline for the seventh inning stretch. Who has a better tradition? Andy. Yeah, with all due respect to Neil Diamond's pedophilic anthem, uh, no, it's not that. It, it is, in fact, the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field, uh, popularized by Harry Carey. It's probably best done just like when they throw Harry himself, vintage Harry, on the scoreboard and just let him go. It's such a great experience. But there also is a little bit of magic to having a guest conductor in the park do their own version. You don't really know what you're going to get. You might get a disastrous high-speed version, Mike Ditka style, um, or you might get something really heartwarming and nice. Um, But that sing-along is about the best moment I've ever been a part of. I think the seventh inning stretch sing-along is fun. But I I also think of it kind of like a a first pitch. You know, you remember the bad ones. So I I think you have to kind of ding that a little bit because when you think of the celebrity... You know, seventh inning stretch sing along. You think of Roseanne. You you think of stuff like that. You don't think of like who who really knocked it out of the park. That being said, I think Sweet Caroline is 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 a fun communal thing. You know, I've again I've been there. I've watched the the Boston people do it. It's you know it's not the the greatest song in the world. It's, it's nothing like that. It's, but it's a you feel like you're part of something that that all of these people love to do they love to come come to the ballpark and do it whereas i feel like the seventh inning stretch like you said it's hit or miss and sometimes it's like you're watching a bad reality show and sometimes you're like oh this is kind of neat but sweet caroline is great because everybody's a part of it they're sweet i think sweet caroline sucks but (laughs) that's not my final ruling all right yeah nice nice effort there sort of told me how i how i did on that argument well yeah he had no chance he had no chance it's a bunch of pink hats Took this thing over, uh, you know, not good. I'd much rather have a drunk Harry Carey 
on a video screen, uh, re-singing it. All right. Who's got a better curse? The ballparks are cursed. Obviously, uh, we've had some success of late with these franchises, more Boston than Chicago, but they were both known for their curse. The curse of the Bambino when the uh, Red Sox gave away uh, Babe Ruth and the curse of the Billy Goat, which I'm not even, uh, they threw a guy and a goat out of the ballpark, (laughs) which I thought seemed pretty reasonable because he had a goat inside the ballpark. But, uh, you know, whatever. Who's got a better curse or more iconic? I don't know if it's better or worse, iconic. Tell me about the curse. Counselor Oz, what's up with the curse of the Bambino? I like to think of the curses as, let's think of it like a movie, and this is the thing you have to overcome. So if if the protagonist has to overcome the idea that we got rid of Babe Ruth and we need to come back from that, we need to get over that curse, that seems like a valiant thing to try to do. If if the curse is we kicked out a guy with a goat, <laughs> the whole thing is stupid, right? Like we, we didn't win a World Series for all these years, for 60-something years, because a guy brought a goat to the stadium and we kicked him out. That just is not even logical. The curse of the Bambino wins <laughs> by default. Plus, it involves one of the best baseball players of all time. Uh, you know, obviously, this this now now Judge Wetzel. This is where you say great argument. Yes, good job. <laughs> I'll just got a I'll point. Say the actual story, the actual details uh, behind the uh, behind the the curse of the Billy Goat are just so are so weird. Like a guy deciding to bring his pet goat. Was it a pet goat? I don't know. To to the ballpark, like not just to the ballpark, but to like a series game to like the 45 series world game. series. Um, it's just going to be me. I've got one ticket. I think I'll bring my goat as well. Uh, I've heard versions of it where he has to like check the goat outside the park. Like it's the bike check or something has to tie it up outside where he fires off a nasty telegram to, uh, to the Wrigley family uh, complaining about the goat checking. And then the same guy, the same tavern owner, like years later in 69 and 70, when the Cubs were competitive again, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, and so on Santo, that guy tries to lift his own curse. Can't do it. Fails miserably. So the curse kind of got out of control on him for a while until he until he passed, and finally the Cubs were able to. And what able does to it say it. about your city if you believe in that curse? Like, what, what does that say about you as a fan base? <laughs> if you're like, yeah, that that's the reason we're not any good. <laughs> not not because Dusty Baker blew out all of our arms. No, it's it's because of the goat. Says that you're willing to think outside the box. You're willing to you're willing to open yourself up to uh, certain mystical elements that may be at play. Billy Sianis, I think is his name, a uh, Greek, uh, Greek guy opened the Billy Goat Tavern and had the uh, goat. That's his, his, it was like his mascot, the goat. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why you get in trouble for, for I mean, who's going to sit next to the goat? I, I, I'm at the <laughs> World Series. I'm at the World Series. I want to watch the World Series. I want to have a goat next to me. I don't know. And there was one seat. It was only one ticket. I don't think he had a ticket for the goat. He wanted to sneak. I don't know how this all worked. Presumably, um, it was a really low maintenance goat, though, so didn't require a lot of care. Uh, this is obviously a tough one. So, uh, these are both great parks, uh, probably the two best places to go in in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm going to have a hard decision. So, uh, give me a closing argument on on what I should do here. Uh, we'll start with you, Andy. Um, again, like I got, I got nothing bad to say about Fenway. I've had some of the best, uh, uh, sports days of, of my life, I think at Fenway park. So really big fan of it. Nothing bad to say. Um, Wrigley is my home park. It, it is uh, the most amazing vibe in sports. Again, I think the seventh inning stretch is just a wonderful tradition there. The way they keep Harry alive there, uh, is pretty fantastic. The look of the park, smell of the park, everything about it. Just love it. Mr. Oz. I completely appreciate that Andy as a Chicago person loves Wrigley Field. Like, sure. 
as someone who, again, has no allegiance to either of these cities, either of these teams, I went to both of them for the first time in my life in the last, you know, 10 years or so. And I walked away saying that Fenway is the better place to enjoy a World Series game, any game for that matter, than Wrigley. Like Fenway is, to me, it seems like a temple of baseball. Wrigley feels like a place where drunk people gather and drink beer, you know, to, to get rid of their sorrows for losing for all these years. And, and you know, like, fine, great. Like, enjoy, enjoy your beer in <laughs> Chicago. But it, it felt like, again, a, a rundown car that, that you just have to love versus like a, a classic. I got to say, all until right. he hit the rundown car part, I was I was feeling that I was willing to let uh, Oz's right. summation stand. <laughs> This has not been contentious enough. That is the problem with this debate. I usually like Andy's, my... Andy's too nice. He doesn't. Yeah, I, I tried to go after him a little bit. He won't. won't I noticed that. I noticed that. Too nice All of right. a guy. So uh, you know, part of me wants to rule for um, you know. I'll say the strong part of the of the Wrigley Field argument is actually uh, the Billy Goat because it it, it it includes the Billy Goat Tavern, which is not in Wrigleyville but is downtown. And when I lived in Chicago and worked at Chicago Tribune, I used to go to the Billy Goat Tavern all the time. Tremendous hamburgers. Billy Goat draft on tap, which I think is just natural light that they they claim <laughs> otherwise. Mike Royko um, columns um, on the wall. Objection, Your Honor. You have a clear bias to, to Natty Light. And I, a Natty <laughs> Light, push light. <laughs> old style. Whatever you want to give me, Chicago. Old Chicago loves its old style, too. The Billy Goat draft, and then they have Billy, Do Billy Goat Dark. That's like their answer to... Uh, the IPAs of the world. Uh, it's down in the basement. Hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. Great place. However, however, the one thing that sets Fenway Park apart is the monster. Green monster changes everything. It it, it makes it a unique ballpark in how you have to play. Uh, pesky pole down on right field. The triangle in center. It is. It is. You would never design this thing. You, you put the seats up on the monster seats, the whole thing. It is the most iconic ballpark because of the way you have to play in there is different than everywhere else. Love Wrigley Field if I ever actually go inside it. Uh, love <laughs> Chicago. But Fenway Park is unique because it's iconic because it's you know you are playing a game there. Uh, you, can, you can play baseball uh, at Wrigley any other place. So I am ruling in favor of Fenway Park. Congratulations. Counselor Oz. I, I feel bad beating Andy just because he's he's so nice and he, and he genuinely loves Wrigley Field so much. Let me just say a, this too. This, this is like a civic loss. Yeah, this is this is hard. This may or may not have something to do with Andy beating me in a previous episode <laughs> uh, where we discussed whether Norman Dale, Coach Norman Dale, was a good person or not. I lost, and I may or may not still be a little grumpy about that. So. <laughs> That's fair as well. Take this to do appeals. The personal grievances that come up in box in are just <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That's this week's edition, or this today's edition of uh, Boxed In. Uh, I wish I could go attend a baseball game at either place right now, uh, or even the uh, local um, minor league park or anything else. So appreciate everyone listening. Keep subscribing. Leave us nice reviews and share on social media. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. 
We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.